We're up to the bottom of Ayin Beis, Amid Beis, Taner Abonon. So, the Gemara has the following discussion. There's a Shaila in the, in the Tanoim, could a convert marry a Mamzer or a Mamzeres? Now, a Mamzer, Mamzeres, the Pasuk says, Loyovi Bekal Hashem, they're not allowed to marry the congregation of the Jewish people, which is the average Jew. The question is, are Gerim, are converts included in that distinction? It's uh, the terminology that the Tanoim use is kahal gerim ikri kahal eloi ikri kahal. Is the when the pasuk says kahal, the entire congregation, the Jewish people, does that include converts because they're a part of the Jewish people, or does it not include converts because the pasuk is referring only to people that are born Jewish? So Tan Rabbanon ger noisa mamzeres dibur Rav Yosi. Rav Yosi's opinion is that a convert is allowed to marry a mamzer. There is no issue. That's Rav Yosi's opinion because he feels kahal gerim loy ikri kahal. Rav Yehuda says no ger loy mamzeres. Rav Yehuda says a ger is not allowed to marry a mamzer. It's a machlekes tanoim whether a convert is allowed to marry a mamzer or not. The Gemara says. The Gemara continues like this. So that's the first machlekes. Then the Brisa adds off a second point. Echod ger veechod evid shuchror vecholol mutarim bekehenas. A kehenes is allowed to marry uh, a convert, they're allowed to marry a cholol, meaning, although a koyen is not allowed to marry a giyaris, is not allowed to marry a convert, a, a male koyen is not allowed to marry a convert, and a male koyen is not allowed to marry a chalala, but a female koyen is allowed, those restrictions of kehanim do not apply to female kehanim. Okay. So the first machlegas is whether a ger is allowed to marry a mamz. It's machlokes of Yosi and Rabbi Yehuda. My time is Rabbi Yosi. What's Rabbi Yosi's reasoning that he allows a convert to marry a mamzer? So basically, the premise is like this: Chamisha kol Regarding people that are not allowed to marry regular Jews, the pasuk says the word kol five times. This is by uh, it says lo yove mamzer bekal Hashem. The word kol is once gamdar asir lo yove bekal Hashem lo yove amoyim oivi bekal Hashem gamdar asir lo yove bekal Hashem. And Darshlishi of So this is referring to Mamzerim, Amonim, Mitzrim, all converts. Uh, they're not allowed to marry regular Jews. So uh, a Mamzer or an Amon or Mitzri convert is not allowed to marry regular Jews. It says the word Kahal five times. We're going to see that according to Rav Yossi, all of them are used up and none of them are referencing a convert. So you see that a convert is not called Kahal and therefore a Mamzer is allowed to marry a convert. Let's see it inside. Chad Lukehanim, one Pasuk is to teach you that Mamzerim are not allowed to marry Kehanim. Chad Lilavim, one Pasuk is to tell you that there are five of them. So one is for Kehanim, they're not allowed to marry Mamzer. One is Levim are not allowed to marry Mamzer. Chad Yisraelim are not allowed to marry Mamzer. Two remaining. Chad Lemishri Mamzer Bishtuki, one is to say that a Mamzer is allowed to marry a Shtuki. Now a Shtuki is interesting. A Shtuki is a person we don't know who the father is. So the issue with a Shtuki is because we don't know who the father is, there's a chance that the guy's a Mamzer. Right? If you don't know who the dad is, you don't know, maybe the kid's a Mamzer. Right? So a Shtuki is a Suffolk Mamzer. A Mamzer is allowed to marry a Shtuki. Because although a Mamzer is not allowed to marry a regular Jew, he's allowed to marry a Suffolk Mamzer. So a Mamzer is allowed to marry a Shtuki. And the last one is Chad Lamishi Shtuki Yisrael. And one, the last one is to tell you that a Yisrael is biblically allowed to marry a Shtuki. Now, although rabbinically it's a problem, as we'll see later on, but biblically a Yisrael is allowed to marry a Shtuki, meaning although a Shtuki is a Suffolk Mamzer, a regular Yisrael is allowed to marry a Suffolk Mamzer. So all five are used up. None of them... None of them are, 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 are now extra to tell you that a convert is not allowed to marry a mamzer. So because all five are used up, 
the Pasuk does not have a source to Aser, a convert with a Mamzer, therefore a convert is allowed to marry a Mamzer. Okay. For Rav Yehuda, who says that a Mamzer is not allowed to marry a convert, so how does he figure it out? All five are used up. He needs one of them extra to tell you that a convert is not allowed to marry a Mamzer. So Rav Yehuda, Kehanim Levi, Mechad Kol Nafka. Right, we said there are five. One is to Aser Kehanim with a Mamzer, one is to Aser Levi, and one is to Aser Yisrael. So Rav Yehuda says, I don't need all three. Give me two. One is for Kehanim, and what is for Levim and Yisraelim? They're the same. Levim and Yisraelim are the same. Rendering Yatele Kalgerim. One is now extra to tell you that a Mamzer is not allowed to marry a convert. Iba Yisema, an alternative answer, that Hani Tre Kali Ninu. Really, Hani Nami Tre Kali Ninu. Really, he says, no. I need all three. One is for Kehanim, one is for Levim, one is for Yisraelim. So how does he have an extra one? So he had five. One is to Aser and Mamzer with a Kayin Levi Yisrael. One is to Mut Mater, allow a Mamzer with a Shtuki. One is to Mater Yisrael with a Shtuki. He learns these last two from one Pasuk. Mamzer B'Shtuki, Shtuki B'Yisrael, Mechad Kol Nafka. He, he uses it from one Pasuk. Again, that w- one is to tell you that a Mamzer is allowed to marry a Shtuki, which is a Suffolk Mamzer. And a shtuki, which is a Suffolk Mamzer, is allowed to marry Yisrael. He learns them both out from one Pasuk, rendering another Pasuk extra to tell you that a Mamzer is not allowed to marry a convert. What is the Pasuk that he learns both out from? Because the Pasuk is, A Mamzer is not allowed to marry a regular Jew. We could deduce two things from this. Mamzer Number one is that a Mamzer is not allowed to marry a regular Jew, but he can marry a Suffolk Mamzer, i.e. in a shtuki. So that's one indication from the Pasuk that a Mamzer is allowed to marry a shtuki. And the reverse, The reverse is also that a regular Yisrael can't marry a Mamzer, but a Suffolk Mamzer they can. So both of these are learned out from one Pasuk, rendering the extra Pasuk to tell you that a Mamzer can, is, is, is not allowed to marry a convert. The Iba Yisema, a third approach. The third approach is, Hani Nami Trei Ninu. Hani Nami Trei Ninu. These really are two extra Psukim. Hani Nami Trei Ninu, meaning, we're going to use... Again, we have five. We need one of them to be extra. You have Koy and Levi Yisrael. Shtuki with a Mamzer and Shtuki with Yisrael. He needs one of them to be extra. So the answer is, Tami Darbi The answer is, none of them are extra. So how does Rabbi Yehuda know that a convert is not allowed to marry a Mamzer? How do I know that a, ka- a convert is called part of Kahal Yisrael? And therefore, when the Pasuk says, Le'yavei Mamzer Bekal Hashem, it's referring to our Mamzer as well. Because the Pasuk says, Hakal Chuka Achas Lechem Velager Hagar. The Pasuk says, Hakal. And how does the end of the Pasuk says, Hager? So you see, in one Pasuk, it describes a convert as part of the Kahal. Now, although there are words in between, those words don't separate it. And therefore, Hakal Chuka Achas Lechem Velager Hagar. So this Pasuk puts the word Ger and Kahal in the same Pasuk, to tell you that a, a ger is considered part of Kal Yisrael, and therefore when the Pasuk says by a mamzer, le'yavoy mamzer, b'kal Hashem, and it's including gerim as well. That's Rav Yudashita. Rav Yossi, who permits a convert to marry a ger, what does he do with this Pasuk? The answer is, this Pasuk, what's the source? This Pasuk says, hakal chukahachas lechem v'lager hagar. The Pasuk puts together hager with kahal. The answer is, very simply, there are words in between. Those words separate, meaning... You're assuming that the word convert is the word a convert is included in kahal, the congregation of the Jewish people, and therefore it would be also for a mamzer to marry a convert because Recording the pasuk says. Stopped. Recording in progress. And therefore the pasuk when it says when it says mamzer it's referring to 
it's referring to a convert as well. The answer is the words are separated. Hakal chukahas lachem separates it. So therefore, although the pasuk says hakal and ger in one pasuk, the words in between separate and say they're not one unit. Okay, fine. Then the Gemara said the, the next halacha from the Brisa is that a female Kayan is allowed to marry a convert. Although a Kayan is not allowed to marry a Gioris, and a Kayan is not allowed to marry a Chalala, but a female Kayan is. What's the source for that? This is a proof to Rav. Fit women, genealogically fit women from Kayanim families, are not prohibited to marry these people. Meaning, when the Torah asers a Ger, all of that the Torah was just talking about male kehanim. Feeble kehanim have no problem. Okay, fine. <clears throat> so we had a machloikas tanoyim whether a convert is allowed to marry a mamzer. So Darish Rav Zera went to Mechuzah. Now Mechuzah was a city that had a lot of converts. Uh, so Rav Zera is talking in a city that has a lot of converts. Darish Rav Zera b'Mechuza. Rav Zera made a drasha in the city of Mechuza. Ger muter b'Mamzeres that a convert is permitted to marry a Mamzeres. Now, although that might sound like a good thing, look, they can marry each other. But if you're a convert, you don't want to hear that you're going to marry a Mamzeres. You don't want to hear that a convert is allowed to marry a Mamzeres because that's another way of saying that kahal kahal gerim That's another way of saying. That a mom, that a ger is not part of Knesset Yisrael. Now it doesn't mean they're not Jewish. It just means that when the Torah describes it as a congregation of Klal Yisrael, it's not referring to gerim. So therefore, when Rav Zera got up in Mechuzah and he said Kahal gerim, that a, a mamzer is allowed to marry a convert. In other words, of Kahal gerim lo yikri kahal. Hold on one second. In progress. So the point is, when, when Rav Zera, for Rav Zera to get up in Mechuzah, a city with a lot of Gerim, and say that Gerim are allowed to marry a Mamzer, that's not going to be very, very well received. Because again, while it's saying that a Gerim is allowed to marry a convert, a Mamzer, well, that means like, oh, great, they can marry a lot of people. You're also saying that you can marry a, a bastard because you're not part of Kahal Yisrael. So that was not very well received. So Rav Zera got up in Mechuzah and he says, Ger motor b'mamzeres, besoregayu. It must have been in Sukkot. And everyone started throwing their esoregim at Rav Zera. They're very upset with him. So Amarava, so Rava hears the story and he says, He wanted to know, is there anyone who could, who could actually um, give over this story, give over this halacha that a Ger is allowed to marry a mamzer in Mechuzah, in a way that it'll be well received. So, Darish Rava Mechuzah. So Rava felt that he's going to be able to do this. So how did he do this? So first, he wants to butter them up a little bit. He doesn't want to just get up and say that you can marry a mamzer. So he says, Ger Muter B'Kehenas. First, he says that a female Kayin can marry a convert. So a convert can marry a female Kehenas. Okay, so now your pool is a little bit open. So, Tanu B'Shiroi. They thanked him by giving him fine silk. Then then he got up and he said, Ger mamzeres. Not only is a ger muta to marry a female kayan, he's also allowed to marry a mamzeres. So now now he already now the reason why they weren't as upset is because he, he had said a positive thing first, but now they're upset. You ruined the effect of the first statement, meaning we were all happy with you, now we don't like you anymore. So Amrulai said, No, the says, I'm I'm doing a good thing for you. How so? You're looking at this as a bad thing that you're allowed to marry a mamzeres because you're not part of Kal. Look at it practically. 
You as a convert, think about who you can marry. You can marry the whole gambit. You can marry a Kayanas, and you can marry a Mamzeris. You have so many options. So he says, I'm doing good for you. You can marry everybody. And therefore, because you have so many options, you should be happy. Okay, what's the halacha? The halacha is that a convert is allowed to marry a kehenes, and a convert is allowed to marry a, a, a mamzeres. Mutabikehenes, a convert is allowed to marry a kehenes. I, a, a koyin, is not allowed to marry giyaris. So we said before, when the Torah forbids a koyin marrying giyaris, it's only referring to male kehenem. Female kehenem have no issue. And a ger, not only can he marry a kehenis, he's also allowed to marry a mamzeris. Why? Karabiosi is a fausabiosi that kahal gerim loy ikri kaho. Okay, now the Gemara says like this. Now, a shtuki, which is again a Suffolk mamzer, a shtuki, we don't know who the father is. We know who the mother is, we don't know who the father is. And if you don't know who the father is, that means that it's a Suffolk mamzer. So, Amarava, Devar Torah, on a biblical level, shtuki mutter, shtuki kosher, meaning we said in the Mishnah that me, a regular Yisrael, I can't marry a shtuki. So, what's the issue? So the Gemara says, really, min ha on a biblical level, you could marry a shtuki. On a biblical level, a shtuki is permitted. Why? I, what's the concern that a shtuki, what's the concern? The concern is that a shtuki is a mamzer. Now, how would the shtuki be a mamzer? The shtuki's mom was not married. You see, every married woman, the way you make a mamzer is if she has adultery. The, the, mam, the mom of a shtuki is single. So, the only way for her to make a mamzer is if she had relations with her father or her brother or, her, or her, her nephew, very, very rare. So the Gemara says on a biblical level, shtuki kosher, why? Because the majority of men, right, we don't know who the father is. If you go by the majority, the majority are not one that would make a mamzer. My time at roiv k'shem Oh, so you'll say, you go by roiv. Now here's the concept. This is a very complicated concept. It's based on psukim. The concept is that you generally go by roiv, except... Where if the Shiloh, now we're trying to figure out the who the father is. We don't know who it is. So if you go by the majority of men, the kid's not a mamzer. There is a concept though that if the woman went to the man, meaning if the man went to the woman, so the man who's in question is the one moving. He's the one who left his place. He went from his apartment to her apartment, and they had relations. Then you go. Then it's you go by majority. There is a concept called kol which means that if, let's say, you have a piece of meat, right? You're not sure where the meat is from, if it's kosher or not. So if the meat left us, if the meat was just found in the street, so by the time the Shiloh came in, it's already not in its place. It's not in the store. So then you go by majority. But if the Shiloh arose when it was in the store, meaning I bought the meat from a store, I just don't remember which store, but I remember the Shiloh arose because I went to a store, that means that the meat was originated. The shayla originated when the meat was in its place. So if it's in its place, the halacha is that that's called kol kavua, You don't go by majority, it's 50-50. So when it comes to this man, it's based on sukkim. So when it comes to this man, we don't know who the father is. So if the father goes to the woman, if she had relations in her apartment, so he went to her, you go by majority. But if she went to him, so the shayla arose when he was in his place, he was in his apartment, it's 50-50. So now it's 50-50, meaning it doesn't go by majority. Now it's 50-50. Now it could be he's, he's a 50% mamzer. 50, uh, uh, not 50%. It's a 50-50 chance he's a mamzer. You don't go by majority. But even then, the Gemara is going to prove in a second, even that's biblically permitted. Why? The Torah only forbids a 100% mamzer. A 50-50 chance of being a mamzer is not forbidden. So the Gemara says, Amar Rav, Devar Tarish Tuki Kosher, Ma'itam Rav Kshem Ha'etzam Yitzam Psul Nasa. 
Therefore, if she, if one of the men went to her apartment to have relations, so he moved, so he is not in his place, then you go by majority, called the parish Maruba parish. The majority of men are kosher. My Amrit, what's the other concern? The concern is that maybe she went to his apartment, so he's in his place. If he's in his place, then it's a 50-50 chance that he's a mamzer. Even that's still permitted. Why? The Torah only forbids 100% mamzer. Therefore, even if it's 50-50, thank you, buddy, even if it's 50-50, the Torah does not forbid a 50-50 chance of a mamzer. So on a biblical level, a shtuki, so again, you have this guy, you have this uh, they have this person, uh, this father, this boy, he doesn't know who his dad is. So we said in the Mishnah you can't marry him because we don't know who the father is. So the Gemara says there's no concern of a mamzer. It's biblically for, uh, permitted, mitzad a mamzer. So what's the issue? Matam amri shtuki puzzle. Why did the rabbi say that you cannot marry a shtuki? The answer is because they're The answer is very simple. The kala might be his sister. Meaning, you have this guy who doesn't know who his father is, right? He meets a girl. Now, the girl knows who her parents are. Chazal say you shouldn't marry him. Why? Because you might be his sister. Why? You don't know who his father is. Maybe her father is his father. And maybe they're paternal siblings. So because of this, Chazal said don't marry him. So the only one that's forbidden is you can't marry a shtuki. But he, wait, here's the question. Elamiata, shtuki, shtuki, slayisa. The halacha is that a shtuki guy can marry a shtuki girl, but why? Why aren't you concerned that the same guy had multiple children that he doesn't father for multiple women, doesn't know who they are? So this guy who doesn't know who his father is, this girl who doesn't know his father is, they're siblings. Why is that permitted? So the Gemara says, It's unlikely that a man would have relations uh, out of wedlock with multiple women and have children without knowing them. It's unlikely. Therefore, if you have a boy who doesn't know who his father is and a girl who doesn't know who his father is, Mistama, they're not siblings. Kamara says, wait a minute, you're going to go by statistics. What's the halacha? Let's say you have a guy who's a shtuki. Right? So he shouldn't marry anybody, but he can marry a regular girl. Let's say the kala that he wants to marry, her mom, her, her, uh, the kala that he wants to marry, her mom was a shtuki. That's fine. He can marry, but why? Again, he's marrying. He doesn't know who his father is, right? This kala that he's meeting could still be his sister. How so? Her father might be his father. But you don't know who his father is, so he's not allowed. So he he meets again. Reuben doesn't know who his father is. He meets a girl Leah. He wants to get married. Leah is a regular girl, but her mom was a shtuki. Mom also didn't know who her father is. What's the halacha? They're allowed to get married. But why? Leia's dad might be Reuven's dad. You don't know who Reuven's father is. It could be Leia's husband. Leia's, Leia's father. I mean, the Kala's father might be his father. You don't know. So why is that permitted? What's the answer? Therefore, it's not going by statistics. So we're back to the original question, which is, why do they forbid... forbid certain shtuki, like a, you can't marry a shtuki because it might be your father, but two shtukis can get married? Why aren't we concerned about that? You'll say statistic? I'm not worried about statistics. So w- why is it that certain shtukis are allowed, certain shtukis are not? So the answer is, the answer is, the issue with a, a shtuki is not that we're actually concerned that it's his sister because you go by statistical, it's a improbability. The answer is, for to keep genealogically purity of the Klal Yisrael, they said that a shtuki should not marry a regular Jew. A shtuki and a shtukis can get married because they're already impure. But to keep the purity of Klal Yisrael, if you know who your father is 
and you know who your mother is, you shouldn't marry a person who doesn't know who his father is. It's just a maila, it's like a chumrah. just a chumrah. And therefore, sometimes they were machmer, sometimes they weren't. Okay, now that was a shtuki. What about an asufi? Asufi is someone who doesn't know either parent. So the concern is obviously the kids may be a mamzer. In addition to the fact that both parents abandoned him, it's kind of a likelihood that he is a mamzer. So the Gemara says, Devar Taira, Vamarava, another, it's, it's literally the same thing. The same concept that we just said by Ashtuki that would make him biblically permitted but rabbinically forbidden is the exact same thing by Asufi. It's the exact same thing. On a biblical level, an Asufi is fit to marry a regular person. Why? My time. What's the concern? That his he's a mamzer. How would he be a mamzer? So his mom, we don't know who his parents were. So maybe his mom was married and committed adultery. The truth is, we don't assume that women commit adultery. We assume that a child. Even if a woman committed adultery, we assume that the father, that she, she, she the, the husband fathered the child. My time, a married woman, we assume that her child is belonged to the husband. Even if she commits adultery, we assume it's the husband. Therefore, my ikka. Therefore, therefore, it's statistically improbable the kids of moms are. Now, what would make you think the kids, maybe, I can get to 50% the kids of moms are. How so? Mira Rusais. You're going to say, well, maybe what's the, maybe the most people, the majority of people that abandon children are mamzerim. Yeah, but you also have single moms abandon children. You have, they'll abandon children because they can't afford to feed them. You put all this together, this child, it's he, he's at most a 50% mamzer. He's not statistically majority mamzer. Therefore, it's, Technically, on a biblical level, mutter. Therefore, the Torah only forbids a vade mamzer, a suffolk mamzer. This kid is a suffolk mamzer. He's not for sure a vade mamzer. He's not statistically 90% a mamzer. He's 50 50 at most. So, really, he's biblically mutter to marry. So, why did Chazal say that you shouldn't marry? Again, you might marry your sibling. This guy doesn't know who his parents are, so he meets a Kala. That Kala might be his sister. Oh, Elamiata Asufi Asufis Lo Yisa. I'm just gonna read this quickly. Mamish exactim Khajim said, How come an Asufi is allowed to marry Asufi? Shamisa Achoisa bin Avimim. It might be his sibling. Then it says, Kol Hanishadi Vazli. It's unlikely that a father would abandon multiple children. The Gemara says, Basa Sufi Lo Yisa, Shamisa Achoisa. The answer is, but it doesn't, it still doesn't matter from a statistical perspective. In Asufi and Asufis is as likely. As an Abbasa Sufi, right? Let's say a guy's an Asufi, doesn't know who his parents are. He marries a girl. And that girl doesn't know who her, her, that girl's mom was an Asufi. So that girl's mom doesn't know who her parents are. So it's very likely, again, Ruvain doesn't know who his parents are. He meets a girl, Leia. He can marry Leia if Leia's mom is an Asufi. But Leia's dad might be his father. It might be his father. He doesn't know. He doesn't know who his father is. This column might be his sister. What's the answer? My law asubi The answer is we're not going. When Chazal answered it, they just wanted it was a chumra. They wanted to keep the genealogical purity of Klal Yisrael intact. Okay, Amarava Baravuna, Motsumal. Okay, so the concept of a asufi is that you have a baby that they abandoned. So the concern is, if the parents abandoned him, there's two reasons why they abandoned him. If they abandoned him because they just they're not mentally fit. Or they can't take care of him financially. There's no reason to assume the kid's a mamzer. The issue with a Sufi is why the parents abandoned him. If the parents abandoned him, like because 
he's a bastard, then that's the concern. So now the Gemara is going to go through that if there are certain things that were done for the child, like he was met, he was like taken care of before they abandoned him, or they abandoned him in a way that clearly shows they still care about him, then the kid's not a mamzer. Because if he was a mamzer, they wouldn't care. It means that they just couldn't afford him. So the Gemara says, Amar Abba Matsu Mahal. Let's say this Asufi has a brismila. Go to the next page. Ain't by Mishum Asufi. He's not an Asufi. Why? If he was a mamzer, they wouldn't uh, circumcise him. If they were like, if they were like a regular parents, and they just felt this kid's a mamzer, why would they circumcise him? The very fact that they circumcise him means that they care about him. They just couldn't financially take care of him. Mishalti Hadamis. If they found his limbs straightened, you know, like the doctors took care of him, then again, Ain't by Mishum Asufi. He's not a Sufi because why would they straighten his limbs if they? If they felt he was a mamzer, Shaif Mishcha. If he was covered with oil, they used to like massage oil onto babies. If he was taken care of like that, or Mali Kuchla, or they put you know powder by his eyes. It was part of medicine to make him look nicer. Rami Chumra, or knots of herbs tied around him to make him smell nicer. Tali Piska, or an amulet around his neck. Tali Kameya, or another type of amulet. Eimah Mishum Asufi. All of these are signs he's not Asufi because if he was an Asufi, why would they take care of him like this? Tali Bediklaf, he was found hanging in a palm tree. So now, did they put him there because they don't care about his life, or did they put him there because they couldn't take care of him? So the question is, is he in a danger in the palm tree? So, if the palm tree was so low that an animal can get the baby, then that's their way of saying, we don't care about him, then he's an Asufi. But if the basket is not within reach of passing animals, then the kid is not an Asufi. Zeradia Simcholamasa, if he was found on a tree near the city, Yeshbamashumasufi, then that's their way of abandoning him because um um I guess there were the, the Rashi brings down there were demons around these type of trees. So that was your way of saying you don't care about the kid. Vimlav, but if if it's not uh, uh I guess if people are not near the tree, so there's no demons near the tree, Sufi, then it's not Nasufi. Omra Memar, Hypira de Sufla. If you found them in a ditch where people store pits, d- date pits, that's an Asufi because I guess uh, they were dug outside of the city, so if you left the baby, that, that was your way of saying, I don't care about them. If you found them in a river channel, I guess in the river, like uh, put them in a basket, then it's not Asufi because it's like Moshe Rabbein. If you put them in the basket, some of you care about them. You just couldn't afford them. Pishri. If you put them on the the way they describe it is the area along the banks where the river expands when it's swollen by melting snow. That was a sign that he didn't care about him. See the Rishas Arabim, on the sides of Rishas Arabim. You see, if you put the baby in the middle of Rishas Arabim, in the middle of Main Street, that's the obviously, you don't, you're trying to kill him. You don't care about him. He's probably a mamzer. But if you put him on a side street, a side street, that means you care about him. Okay, so side, side street is not Nasufi, Rishas Arabim is Rishasufi. Amar Rava. Now Rava says this line. Now this line is tricky because we have to figure out exactly what context he was saying it. Ubishnei Ravain, Rava says, during a famine, Bishnei Ravain, during a famine, ain't boy Mishum Asufi. During a famine, ain't boy Mishum Asufi. During a famine, we do not say the kids in Asufi. Now, that's tricky. What he's saying is basically, if you left the baby during a famine, you could assume that they left him because they couldn't afford to pay him. Uh, take care of him. Now, what exactly was his case? Where did you find the baby? Because it's weird. If you found the baby in the middle of Rosh Hashanah, then you're basically trying to kill him. 
So what is what does it matter whether it's a famine or not? And if you, it, it should always be an asufi. And if you find them on the side streets, it's never an asufi. So what does the famine have to do with it? He's saying that during a famine, it's not an asufi. What, what's the context? What case? If you find the baby in the middle of Main Street, I did Shnei Ravan Katolahi. It doesn't make. It doesn't matter. Meaning, it, what? What? Yeah, meaning if you put him in the middle of Main Street, you're trying to kill him. He's clearly a mamzer. Oh, I say it's a famine. Who cares? And if it's a side street, side streets is not Nasufi either way. So what did Rava mean when he said that during a famine is not Nasufi? So the answer is, The answer is as follows. Rava was not referring to where you find the baby. Rava was referring to the following. The rule is that if a parent abandoned the child and then they find the child, let's say, in the middle of like Main Street, whatever it is. So he said it is a Nasufi. They come back two days later, the parents come back and say, no, no, that's our baby, that's our baby. What's the halacha? Once he's an asufi, he's an asufi. Once he's an asufi, we don't know who the parents are, we don't trust anyone to say that. But says Rava, during a famine, we don't want to do that. Why? Because during a famine, unfortunately, people were abandoning babies on a higher rate. And we wanted to protect, like, we wanted to make it sort of easier for parents to come back. You see, how? what's the likelihood that a person is going to leave his baby during a healthy time in the middle of Main Street? Very low. Therefore, we don't have to do takanas to help the baby. So once the parents leave him, he's an asufi. Even if they come back two days later and say, no, 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 it's our baby, too late. But during a famine where parents were doing this on a higher rate, Nebuch, we want to make it a little easier for the parent to do tshuva. So, As long as the baby is still in the street, as long as the baby is still where they left him, a parent comes in forward and said, that's our baby, he's not Nasufi. But once the baby is taken from the street, let's say they took him to the hospital, and then the parent showed up, too late. Once he already had a Psakdin, once he's called an Asufi, he's an Asufi. says, during a famine, Rava says that during years of famine, even if uh, even if he was taken from the street, the parents are come, come, come forward. Why? Because Chazal wanted to make it easier for parents to come forward because so many parents were abandoning the child, they wanted to be lenient. That's what Rav was referring to. Okay. Amr of Chizda, this is the last sugya. Shloisha Nemanavalav Miyad Nemalalter. There are three things that if you testify right away, we'll believe you, but if it's at all later, too late. Now, what is this referring to? Elohim. Asufi and Asufi, that we just got finished saying that once the baby is already taken away, too late. Chaya, a midwife, and Peteris Chavreta, and a woman regarding Nida. So what are the cases? Let's go. Asufi Adamran. We already got finished saying an Asufi, that if a guy, the parents drop off the baby, and then they come back a day later, and they come back, even once the baby's taken to the hospital, they, 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 they show them to the hospital, it's our baby, too late. Okay. You have to testify right away. The second is a Chaya, a midwife. What is that referring to? The Tanya. Chaya Nemenes Loimer Zeyatzerish and Vizeyatzesheni. Now, let's say you have uh, twins. So you got to know who's the oldest regarding inheritance. The, the, the nurse says, oh, I remember, that's the first one. The baby on the left is the adult, is the first one. The baby on the right is the second one. We believe her, because we, we assume she remembers. But says the Gemara, you have to testify right away. That's only true if the nurse stayed in the room the whole time. If the nurse left, so let's say she give, delivers the babies, then she goes to the bathroom or goes to whatever, comes back 10 minutes later and they say, which is the firstborn? And she's like, oh, it's the one on the left. Too late. Once you leave the room, 
we assume you don't remember anymore, and we don't trust you. You got to testify right away. So according to the Tanakama, it's if you leave the room, you're no longer testifying. Rav Eliezer Oimer, Chuchzek Loi Emedis Nemenis Velav Enemenis. Rav Eliezer takes it further. It's it's it, it, it's before you leave the room. You have to be watching the whole time. If you turn away from the babies, then you no longer can testify. But even even if you're staying in the same room, if you're staying in the same room, um, if you turn away, it's too late. But so according to Tanakama, for you to testify, you have to stay in the same room. You can't leave. According to Eliezer, it's, it's more than that. It's not just staying in the same room. If you turn away from the baby, it's too late. What's the difference? You're in the room, but you turn away. According to Tanakama, you can still testify. According to Eliezer, you cannot. And what's the last case where you have to testify right away? It's the case of Anida. What's the case? You have three women sharing one bed. And they wake up in the morning and there's blood on the sheet. So... They're all tummy because we don't know who's in either. Let's say let's say one of them checks their body and she realizes she's in either. So then she's the one we could assume the blood came from. He and the other ones are tar. Rav Chizda says it only works if the second they notice the blood, she checks herself. She has to check herself right away. Because let's say they notice the blood at 10 o'clock in the morning, and then she checks herself at 11.30, and now she's Anida. Maybe she wasn't the one who had the blood on the bed. Maybe she just became Anida later. So you have to check yourself right away. Tanra Abonon. Let's go a little bit right we'll end with this. Nemenes A midwife. Let's say you have in one room there's four four moms, and they all deliver babies, and they put all the babies next to each other. The nurse is believed to testify that this is the Kayan's baby, this is the Levi's baby, this is the midwife's baby. The the nurse is believed. But when is she believed? Only when there's no one who fight who's fighting against her. Meaning, she's saying that that's the baby who's a mamzer. If someone argues with her and says that's not true, then we don't believe her anymore. So we only believe her if she's uncontested. If she's contested, if her if her statement. Is, is argued by others, we don't believe her anymore. Now, iridemai, how many people argue with her? Is it a case where one person argues with her and it's her her word against that one? Or is it two people? The Gemara says, Elim irachat, if it's just her word against someone else's, I thought the word error, which means someone is arguing with you, that usually implies two people. So the Gemara says, it must be where two people argue with her. Meaning, it's all we we believe her unless two people argue with her. If two people argue with her, then we no longer believe her. or perhaps or perhaps really we don't believe her if one person argues with her. I I thought we generally believe one against one. We're we're not going to disregard the first person statement. The answer is ki The case of Yechonon said that we believe the first person when one person disagrees is when the item has cheskas kashrus, meaning we know what the item is. Let's say it's a piece of meat that, that we know is kosher. Then one person says it is still kosher, and another person comes forward and says, "No, that's not the kosher meat. It was swapped out." Eh. Because we go into it assuming it's kosher. We had a chazaka that it was kosher. This case, these babies, no one knows what they are. There's no like, it's not like someone comes to me right now. I'm, I'm an adult and I have a cheskas kasher. So you come and tell me I'm a mamzer. You know, you're not believed. These babies, we don't know who they are. We don't know what they are. There's no cheskas kasher. So because there's no cheskas kasher, if she says that the baby is a mamzer, the baby's in a sin, the baby's a kari, the baby's a lady, whatever it is, and one person disagrees, we're not going to believe her. Because it's not like what she's saying is backed up by a cheskas kasher. There's no cheskas kasher. That's the halacha. We'll stop here. Pick it up tomorrow.